You're listening to Made for IoT, a podcast celebrating the leaders, innovators, and disruptors of the Internet of Things, from hardware to connectivity to cloud. For more insights, make sure you visit Anamondo.com. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to Connected Mobility 2.0, a webinar that I have a pleasure to host today uh, with two of uh, people that would call friends, uh, Tobias and Kai from Bosch. Hi, guys. Hi, Yasin. Thanks. So the idea here uh, is to address, of course, connected mobility uh, and the new, I would say, iteration 2.0. Um, we will do it in a very, very simplest way where we're going to address a specific topic uh, as an example. Um, some might say a textbook example of what connected mobility is all about, uh, the tires. Uh, the tires being a very rustic and very uh, traditional piece of equipment uh, that will be turning into uh, thanks to our technology, uh, a piece of equipment that can do data collection and aggregation. Um, let's start with a quick introduction first, and uh, then we can move on. Uh, do you guys want to start? Sure. So then I take the stage. Um, hi to everybody online. My name is um, Toby. I'm the innovation head for the EU region at Bosch um, Software and Digital Solutions, uh, taking care of bringing, I always call it, uh, cool new shit to the market. Yeah, and my name is uh, Kai Hackbart. I'm Senior Technology Evangelist at uh, Bosch Software and Digital Solutions. Um, I have about uh, 22, 23 years of experience in IoT, specifically in uh, embedded IoT middleware, device management, and uh, also this in different domains, including, you know, the connected mobility sector. Thanks, guys. And I'm Yusin Ben Salem. I work for Nomondo as an enterprise account executive. But my job is mostly on the commercial and project management side of things for what we consider global deployments all over the world. Um, without any ado, we're going to move on to a quick presentation of Bosch and Nomondo. Um, why is it a match made in heaven, as we like to say, for connected mobility? And I think the best way is to start uh, with a little introduction of Bosch being an innovation leader. Right, guys? Perfect. Um, so, guys, I don't want to make it a big, um, you know, Bosch marketing story, but just to tell you where we guys are coming from. So, basically, what we are doing is we are scaling AIoT use cases across different value chains, um, be it on the sensing side of things, be it on the software side of things, but also on the services side of things. And um, besides the whole connected mobility topic, basically, we are saying we can connect anything but broken hearts. And this is, um, yeah, it, it is what we do, right? So, we connect tires, we connect sport and leisure fleets, um, fields, and, and what have you. Making things smart, that's our passion, basically. And um, specifically on the mobility um, segment, we now have conducted over, I counted them, tried to count them, over more than 400 projects worldwide across um, AIoT in mobility. And basically the who's who out there is um, our dear customers. So today we also want to talk about a bit about um, experience, um, you know, learnings, and also how we see the future. Nice. Thanks a lot, Toby. Um, I would say on our side, on Amondo, we're what we would be called uh, the new cool kid in the blocks in terms of telco and IoT. Um, we like to say that we're a tech company solving telco and not a telco company trying to do uh, tech. Um, so we are basically a Danish company pretty cliche, uh, very Scandinavian uh, telecommunications, just like the Ericsson's and the Nokia's. Um, and I would say that 
without going too deep into the details, we make connectivity for IoT on a global level. Uh, and we do it because we built our own core network, uh, which gives us a lot of freedom in terms of innovation. As you can see, this is the difference between what you are used to now versus what we do uh, in terms of end-to-end -end integration, uh, even from the own sims themselves. Um, let's move to connectivity and connected mobility, more importantly. You guys want to introduce us to what's your perspective on that? Yeah, let me try to do that. Um, so I think, you know, due to the, let's call it technical evolution, and also uh, regulation. Um, the automotive industry is uh, basically uh, also becoming data-driven, right? So we want to create intelligence based on data that is coming from the car. Um, so in step one is basically, you know, the connectivity to the cloud, right? So where we get sensor data. Um, and in step two, we combine this with uh, data we get from, um... <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we kind of combine this with data we have, uh, let's say, from the production side, uh, from, uh, you know, PLM system and, and all the data basically we have around the car um, during its life cycle. And in step three, um, we try to basically um, add uh, domain knowledge and to do um, analytics uh, based on this, right? And in step four, we basically have then the ability to, um, you know, increase the reliability of the car to uh, improve, uh, you know, um, functionality within the car with software updates and, and things like that, right? Um, if we go to the next slide. Cool. Yeah. Here you basically see um, our modular architecture, right? So this is basically coming from the uh, Catena X uh, consortium, if you want, or it has a philosophy um, behind it. So it's not just, uh, you know, something that Bosch is doing that is basically done by the entire car industry, if you want, right? So we have uh, in the lower part, the data silos, uh, engineering data, production data, quality data, and then also vehicle data. We abstract this data, we have a semantic uh, model behind it that is standardized so that we can make uh, you know, sense of this data. And then we have basically, if you want, yeah, a digital twin of the vehicle, which allows us to look into different aspects of the car. And based on this, we can uh, create new, um, let's say, um, yeah, services uh, related um, to the car, be it, you know, for the consumer, but also in, into a B2B kind environment. Next slide. And uh, yeah, I mean, you can guess, right? So the car is also evolving into uh, like an IoT device. So you have already, you know, tons of sensors uh, in the car, not just for parking. Um, but also, um, you know, if you think about the future, automated driving, you will have like, you know, cameras, you will have uh, LiDAR sensors and so on that basically, you know, make the car autonomous if you want, right? And um, so basically all this data, yeah, um, also in order to improve, um, for example, um, the, the artificial intelligence models in the car needs to go to the cloud. And then basically, uh, yeah, um, you you can uh, yeah send the improved models um, back to the vehicle, for example, right? 
Um, yeah, so I think um, Toby is now going to uh, be specific about the connected tire part of it and um, handing over to him now. Okay, guys. So um, I want to talk to you about tires. And in most cases, tires are perceived dumb rubber. And as of now, they are, right? And our mission is really to change that. As Kai showed, um, the vehicle, not only the car, but the vehicle basically, is turning into an IoT device on wheels. But what we have seen is there has not been um, much technological advancements um, on the tires specifically. And um, I'm pretty, pretty honored to show you this um, picture. Uh, this was actually the Bosch Bell, which was introduced to the markets in 1925. And basically, this was a bell sitting on the valve of a tire, and it rang a bell when actually the tire lost pressure. And if we now uh, fast forward to today, technology is more or less the same. So if you lose pressure in the tire, what happens? You get an alert in your car that you're losing pressure. But that's pretty much it. And since we all agree that tires are basically a mission-critical asset on your vehicle, hey, why not make them smart? And this is what um, we are now basically doing. Let me show you one thing. Um, there is always a huge discussion in the European Union about regulations. And I always see regulation as a source of innovation. By 2024, all new trucks in the European Union need to be equipped with a so-called TPMS sensor, tire pressure monitoring system, meaning that there is some technological advancement in the tire industry happening, and we want to take it even one step further. And this regulation gives us a perfect momentum for it. So if we break down the business case, and um, I think we all agree that the business case is always important. Technology can solve any problem there is um, on the world, but we need to have a valid business case out there. And um, we did some research and we understood that tires basically account for 1.5% of the direct costs of bigger fleets, but they indirectly influence almost 25% of a fleet's operating costs, be it insurance premiums, um, be it fuel, be it um, overhead, and so on and so forth. So tires are basically a large cost driver in fleets. Let me give you some definition. Um, what is a intelligent tire or a connected tire? So over some years, we now have seen tires being equipped with RFID chips um, for track and trace purposes to really understand, okay, where's my tire basically um, throughout the supply chain um, when it comes to, you know, warehouse storage and, and so on. Then you see tires that are enabled with a TPMS sensor, a tire pressure monitoring system for passenger cars that standard nowadays in the European Union. If you add a tire mounted sensor that sits on the inner belt, uh, on, on the inner tube of the tire, um, which acquires much more data, richer data, then this is an intelligent tire. And this is what I, what we are always referring to. If you want to make a product smart, like a tire, you really need to understand first the physics, and then you can build a cyber physical model. What does it mean? A tire is a basically consists of rubber, right? Um, there is basically a part which is called the contact batch. It's the part of the tire that always touches the ground when it's rolling. And then um, basically we have the wheel and, and so on. If you really want to make a tire smart, you need to work with a lot of different sensors, right? Be it temperature sensors, um, load sensors, be it pressure sensors and, and so on. But it's then not only enough to acquire the data, you need to acquire the data um, basically in a rolling situation. And if you drive 250 uh, kilometers per hour, 
that's a pretty uh, pretty tough um, environment, right? And if you acquire the data, you need to derive certain parameters and you need to take this data then basically also into correlation with, with other data, be it so-called events, braking, um, shock moments, acceleration, but also vehicle mass, wheel radius, uh, tire type, and so on. So it's not as easy as it sounds, but we are going from physics to a cyber-physical system. So as of now, um, what are we basically able to analyze in a tire? And I just try to list them here, the use cases. I will not run through all of them, but just give, give you a brief example. So, I mean, these are typical monitoring use cases, right? Temperature, pressure, um, shock monitoring, and what have you. But also um, um, use cases that influence the tire health. So currently we are able to predict the life of the tire and we are in 99% um, of the times correct. We can also analyze the fuel consumption. What we understand is that if your tire is underinflated, you consume more um, fuel, right? But then also, um, yeah, factors influencing the wear and tear, relationship monitorings, and, and so on and so forth. So how do we do that, basically? Um, and I want to take an example of um, the unsafe tire operation or a tire uh, damage. Um, so we mount a sensor in the tire. This tire then sends data to a telematics unit that sits inside the vehicle, right? And this is for us considered first raw data. We try to take metadata also into perspective. And on the telematics side, we marry the data coming from the tire with uh, data coming from the vehicle, braking events, acceleration, and so on. And we push all of this data um, to the cloud where basically algorithms are um, running and then we analyze the data um, and would be able to basically also send data back to the vehicle, to the driver for alerts, um, for you know immediate uh, call to actions and um, so on. So if you look at it more from a tech, um, high level architecture perspective, this is basically how it all looks. So the sensor speaks to the telematics via BLE. The telematics sends data to the cloud. And one side note, connectivity is the major bottleneck here. You want to have, you need to have connectivity stable, connectivity to actually transmit the data. And from there on, we either send data back to, you know, handhelds, we send data to, um, vehicle OEMs, we send data to tire OEMs, whoever wants to have the data, right? So the tiny little helpers, telematics and sensor, and the magic then happens basically in the cloud. Which brings me to some um, cool use cases and some cool testing we have done, so to make it more tangible for you guys. Um, what we have been doing is basically we have been equipping um, a car uh, with intelligent tires and we have been running them over our own testing rounds. And what we basically did is um, a pothole detection on the one side. So where are potholes on the street? But on the other side, we also um, try to simulate, okay, what's happening to a tire? And if a tire has a damage, you see that in the middle pictures and it's hardly uh, recognizable. And this is how usually a tire damage looks. So for us as rookies, you know, we don't see that there is a, there is a problem with the tire, but the sensor recognizes it and, and pushes a SMS to the driver, you might have a tire damage, um, go and um, seek some help. The bigger picture to it also is that um, on the very bottom left, um, if we look at such heat maps, man, that's fantastic um, data, 
which could be provided to, to municipalities, infrastructure providers to really understand conditions of roads, um, where they need maintenance and so on. So the whole connected title story is not only a connected mobility kind of play, um, it enriches also the smart city, smart society play with um, a lot useful data. And um, last but not least, I brought also a very interesting use case uh, with me. So let's imagine a truck is equipped with connected tires and this tire has um, a problem. So on the one side, um, you directly could, or you are able to actually um, alert the driver, man, you have a problem, take care of it. But also it could be a way in which a truck enters a gas station and actually the gas station or the service technicians over there can sense that the, uh, that the tire is having a problem and they can fix it right away. And last but not least, I mean, predictive maintenance use cases are all around there nowadays, right? So if you can sense that your tire might have a problem in the next thousand kilometers, you can already um, plan your maintenance jobs much ahead of time, or you know that my tire will be worn out in, I don't know, two months of now, then you already also plan your maintenance jobs accordingly. Because what you want to have is vehicle uptime, right? We all agree on that. You want to have your vehicles running. And if you have a problem with your tire, I mean, it's vehicle downtime. It costs a lot of money. And lastly, so we did a lot of testing, um, internal wash testing, testing with customers. And the use case or the value proposition of connected tires is so immense, guys. So actually, there are three major pillars. So it's costs, so cost saving, it's increasing safety, and it's also increasing sustainability. We can save up to 5% fuel. Um, we are able to actually identify 95% of um, time-related breakdowns, and we can prevent them at an early stage. Braking resistance, uh, braking reduction, um, 30%, right? Um, which is also fantastic. And as I said, the correlation between uh, properly inflated tire and fuel consumption is also there. So um, that's why I think connected tires are a major game changer in connected uh, mobility. And watch out for 2024. There's going to be some, um, hopefully, some major announcements altogether where basically the connected tires are literally hitting the ground. Cool. Thanks a lot, Toby. Um... By the way, guys, if you have any questions, we will run a Q&A session at the end. Uh, you can still write the questions down um, and yeah, we will address them uh, one by one. If we don't have enough time, we will, of course, get back to you uh, by email. Um, now, let's jump to the connectivity aspect. I think both of you guys agree that, yes, um, you need to design your products and you need to go through a whole development cycle, uh, but you can have all the budget in the world and the best tech in the world. If your device doesn't communicate, it's not working, right? Like IoT needs connectivity by definition. What do you think about that? Absolutely. It is by definition, by design. And if I, you know, let, let's let's speak about um, vehicles, right? Or, or tires. I mean, if you look at the European Union, you're cross, crossing so many borders. Right on a daily yeah. basis. So, yeah. um, and if I talk about Germany, for example, where I'm located, you might have some, you know, some some black areas in terms of okay, bad connectivity. Um, so, you want to have your vehicle running, and data needs to be transmitted um, on a regular basis um, to actually prevent your vehicle downtime. So, connectivity is the biggest bottleneck. 
but also the biggest opportunity in IoT nowadays. Because as said, you can, like from a tech perspective, you can make products so smart, you can put in a lot of technology, but if the connectivity layer is not working, sorry to be very honest, you're pretty much fucked. <laughs> yeah, and we appreciate your honesty. Um, I would say that's a good segue for, for us to explain why we're here uh, and, and how we do things and why we do things differently. Um, Automondo has uh, a lot of great features, and I'm not just saying that because I'm on the payroll. Uh, it's basically for mobility. You have a lot of issues, but we can sum them up in quite a few points. The first one is, as uh, Toby has said, the coverage, right? You have, of course, countries that are uh, very big with uh, different uh, topographies, but you also have, uh, I don't know, trucks, for instance, that need to go from A to B, and A can be Istanbul, and B will be uh, Gutbog. Um, you will have some gray areas in best case scenario, but you'll probably have some dark areas where you won't have much coverage. The main reason for that, and, and that's something that uh, people didn't realize much, I didn't before joining Onomondo and, and getting into Telco. The main reason is simple. Your SIMs are steered by the vendors. Um, what does it mean? It means that when you get SIMs and you put them in your device, they are not going to connect to the strongest signal. They're going to connect to the strongest signal that your vendor allows you to access. So. I took T-Mobile, Vodafone, and O2 as an example. I have no beef with them. Uh, we know them, and, and we appreciate these guys. Uh, but just so to have like an example of different brands and how it works, if your device detects uh, T-Mobile base station, maybe there's actually a Vodafone base station that was closer. But because you don't have a deal with these guys, you're not going to be able to connect, which means that sometimes your truck, your car, uh, or even a construction, temporary construction site, your forklifts are not going to be able to have the most reliable connectivity because, well, some would say tough luck. Getting a mapping in telco is extremely hard, quite impossible, to be honest. Um, you, anyone can go on the website of GSMA and try to find a mapping. No one can. So if you can't map it out, you need to have at least the most optimized coverage possible. And that's what we did. We have SIMs that are, we like to say that our SIMs are dumb. Basically, they're shipped activated and they connect to the strongest signal they detect. Regardless of if it's a Vodafone, a Dutch Telecom, T-Mobile, AT&T, Orange, SFR, etc. doesn't matter. If it detects a strong signal, it's going to attach to it, period. That's the definition of seamless connectivity for us. Uh, not just because of that, but that's the main layer. You need to make sure that your truck or your car or your, basically, your TCU, your telematic unit will always connect to a stronger signal to make sure that you will always get data. Because if you don't get data anymore, well, good luck finding where the device was or what happened. And even worse than that, in some cases, you're going to have to explain that to your customers. So that's the main point for coverage. It's a very, very vulgarized example, but if you have different vehicles uh, in different areas, this is what you would have if you don't have agreement with all the vendors. And let's be honest, you cannot have agreements with all the vendors. No one has that budget. What we did is that we give you access to all of them at the same time. Onomodo is kind of like an aggregator of accessing best stations across the globe. We won't have 100% coverage everywhere in the world. That would be a lie, but no one can. 
what we can do is give you the best coverage that every single base station in the world can provide you with. If you want to drive a truck through Nepal and Himalaya, then yeah, uh, we're all going to have an issue. If it's in North Korea, don't call our customer support. But other than that, we will maximize your coverage. Now, another topic that is quite important, uh, I'm thinking especially about logistics and how thin uh, the, the margins are in terms of cost and profit, um, the troubleshooting. Just because uh, you can have a good coverage doesn't mean everything is always going to work out well, right? Like sometimes, you know, shit happens. In that case, you want to be able to not just know what's happening, but also explain that to your customer because as well, as Tobias said, the business case is always the most important thing. That's what makes innovation moves. Um, in a traditional case, so what we call a traditional setup, if your vendor gives you let's say coverage in Spain, for instance, and they have a roaming agreement with Telefonica, that's great. Let's say that you have a Vodafone SIM that works in Spain, it connects to Telefonica, and Telefonica is one of the best network in Spain. But if something goes wrong, you're gonna call Vodafone, and they're gonna have to open a ticket to Telefonica. And then they're gonna hope that Telefonica is working, that they send back a ticket that is positive, or at least that not more complex, and then get back to you. This is the best case scenario. This is Germany to Spain. If you have trucks that are driving in minor Asia, Africa, South America, it can get even more complex. Um, language barrier could be one of the complexity reasons, but you also have the main issue of, this is just for you to know. What if your customer wants to know? What if your partner wants to know? What if, I don't know, you have a deal with insurance company that will give bonus or bonuses uh, depending on the traffic data that they get from your vehicle and how safe they are. If they don't get data anymore, they're going to call you. And you're not going to be telling them that Vodafone needs to call Telefonica to get back to you first. This comes down to one major thing, our core network. We built our core network and it gives us a lot of freedom, as I said earlier. One of the biggest freedom that it gives us is that we are physically integrated we're literally, I would say, plugged to these base stations. Of course, it's a bit more complex than that. We're not plugged to 650 base stations across the globe, but we have direct physical integration. It means that we get real-time data. The same can be in Denmark, where we're based, but also in China, where we have permanent roaming agreements, or in France or in Canada, it doesn't matter. You get real-time data of every single SIM that you have in your fleet. And the great thing about it is that we build it so that what we see on our screen, on the CMP, on the platform, on the dashboard, you can have it as well. You have access to it. And you can give access to it to every single partner, customer, or any other stakeholder that you need to share the information with. It's transparency at its purest form. Uh, you can show to your clients that, look, it doesn't work because of this or that. Um, you can also show it to your different teams and your partners if you need to fix an issue. But most importantly, you won't have to say the excuse of, I'm sorry, we don't know what's happening right now, we'll get back to you. Which in business is always, let's say, a quite childish excuse when you can avoid it. In terms of the typical connectivity, again, trying to make sure that you understand the difference and, and, and why we decide to team up uh, Bosch and us on, on this project and on connectivity uh, for mobility in general. 
geographically, it's very, very uh, archaic, I would say. For each region, in a best case scenario, you would need a SIM profile if you have an EYCC SIM. So you can switch profiles, it switches automatically, and let's be honest, it's not going to be seamless, and it never is. Um, in the worst case scenario, you're going to need to have a local provider, a local vendor every time, uh, because the main vendor that you have and you are locked in for 10 years, they don't have specific agreements in this country. If you want to expand your business or have a new go-to-market strategy, it makes it even more complicated. So you're going to add a lot of lot of paperwork, a lot of security failings as well, because traditional telco, they use master key locks, so your cloud, if the pattern is found, is breachable. Um, and it comes back again to the main thing, the no real data visibility, because you will have different, I'd say, way of doing things in different countries. And that's not how you want to work because that's not how you're going to save money. The example of switching profiles. There's a lot of, I would say, uh, fancy acronyms, marketing-ish, uh, in terms of SIMs. eSIM, vSIM, AWBC SIMs, etc. At the end of the day, uh, eSIM is another physical form factor. It's a piece of plastic on the PCB. But the way it works for the device is still the same that having two physical SIMs. Two profiles is the same thing. It's going to have to switch. And it's going to have to switch often when your vehicle is going to move or go cross-border. If your car is in southwest Germany and it goes to Italy, it's probably going to have to go through Switzerland, maybe France, Austria, and then Italy. Uh, and when you drive the border, you're going to have maybe a stronger connection across the border and not just where your roaming partner wants to force you in. Uh, and again, that's the best example when the switching is doing uh, its job. So what we did is that we give our clients SIMs with one MC. What it means is that a little bit like on your phone, you have, let's say, on your mobile phone, you have a mobile phone from uh, Telefonica. And uh, sorry, let's say you're in Germany and it's a telephone from Vodafone. When you go to Spain on vacation, it's going to switch to Telefonica, right? Um, our SIM, if Onomondo SIM was a mobile phone SIM, it would always say Onomondo. Doesn't matter where it is. It always is an Onomondo SIM because it always runs one profile globally. It's very, very, very convenient uh, when you want to deploy a global fleet for multiple reasons. The first one, we don't force you into roaming. We've been through that before. But the second one, you don't need to allocate specific SIMs for different countries or different use cases. If you want Onomondo SIMs and you want you have a million uh, vehicles in your fleet, but they're all very different. Some of them are construction sites uh, vehicles and some of them are passenger cars. That's fine. You can use the Automondo Sims to any vehicle you want. Uh, it doesn't make a difference. doesn't make a difference where we are or where we're going to go. We don't not going to put you in a data pool either. We're not going to tell you, make sure that you use 50 gigabytes this month. We're going to charge you. We're not going to tell you, please, if, if you don't stay for 10 years, we're going to have to make your fees pay for fees, et cetera. Uh, that's the luxury of building our own core. And I would say that's also a very, um, our very Danish culture. We are very transparent and this is what we do. We do it well. Um, if you want to stay traditional, that's absolutely fine. But if you want to go with us, we're going to make it as simple as possible because that's how we see telco. An example uh, that we have at Onomondo is that you can have a car in, let's say, Switzerland, it's going to connect on LTE 
fine. And then your truck is going to connect on NBOT somewhere in Tanzania, for instance. That's also fine. And a construction site in China on 2G. We don't really, doesn't really matter which tech you want to use or you want to rely on. Uh, we are network agnostic. So we connect to every type of network, but we also technology agnostic. So if a strongest signal and your modem allows you to uh, connect on an LTE, you'll go ahead and you'll have the perfect signal in real time. It goes through our core. It doesn't go through anyone's core. You get the data straight to you and then you can decide to who you're sharing it with. And you get actionable data, as you can see here. This is a screenshot, so very, very um, typical of what some clients would see. They go on the dashboard, they see the pickup file, so they see the exact detail of what did it attach to, where, what's the location of the antenna it attached to. Not just the location of the device, that would be too easy. We give you the antenna location as well. Um, and all these analytics, you can run them off of Wireshark, for instance, but you, most importantly, you have them. And that's a big difference compared to Telco before. The soft SIM. Um, it's the last point for, for us on mobility, and it's an important one. Um, there's currently, to be completely transparent with you, two companies in the world that have a software SIM, Dutch Telecom and Anomondo. Uh, one is a big, big giant uh, in Telco, and one is the new. Scandinavian cool kids, but we both went the same way. Forget about multiple UICCs and all the hassle that we've been describing before. You have ability now, technology gives us this ability to have a SIM that is directly on the modem. It's just lines of codes. Throw the plastic away. If you throw the plastic away, first of all, not only it's going to be great for your ESG score, but also it's going to reduce a lot of hassle. We don't charge software SIMs, so we're going to be free. So you're already reducing one, two euros per unit. You do the math, it's going to be pretty nice in terms of CapEx. What you can also reduce is the battery consumption. Of course, for telematics units, you're going to be plugged to the battery, but you can also have a battery backup, and it's always nice to save on energy in that regard. Um, the biggest point for mobility with a software SIM is an over-the-air deployment. What does that mean? It means that you can have 10,000 cars in Greece and a million trucks in the US and 5 million forklifts in China. If you want them to be connected, we're going to update them over the year and it's going to take less than a couple of days. You don't need to bring them back to factory. You don't need to bring them back to a repair center. You don't need to refurbish physically and you don't need to pay people to be able to change the SIM inside. You don't, need, you don't even need to ship the SIMs anymore and you don't need to pay for that. And that's why we're going to go this way uh, to help and solve connected mobility as much as we can. I think it's a good time now to switch to uh, a quick Q&A session. Uh, I think we have about five minutes. So what do you think, guys? Toby, Kai? Fine, fine. So questions, um, let's go ahead. Okay, let's see in the chat, what do we have here? Um, what does Bosch see as the biggest challenge for global connected mobility use cases in 2024? So that's for you, Kai and Toby. So maybe, um, and let me pick up what you just said. So um, the one side is OTA use cases over the air updates, right? 
Yeah. And um, with having, for example, the possibility of fl flashing um, a soft SIM on an existing device, um, providing better system uh, signal coverage, for example, right? Or bringing basically um, dumb telematics online. That's going to be a major trend in 2024 um, for me, for example. So for the tile um, use cases, um, explicitly, SoftSim is, is an absolutely game changer, right? And um, we're going to see a lot of rollouts um, during the next years. But maybe I also want one point from your side um, around connected mobility trends in 2024. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, like I said, right? So um, there is a e technical evolution, right? In the sense that, you know, the car is basically a data-driven uh, environment, right? So... So there is, uh, you know, uh, a lot of data coming from the car that needs to be shared, not just within, let's say, the car manufacturer, but let's say between an entire ecosystem, right? So connectivity is really the crucial part, yeah? Um, also, when we talk about autonomous vehicles, right? So because we get lots of data, we have to improve, um, you know, the the artificial intelligence models in the car, right? And that can only happen when you send the raw data um, basically um, to the cloud, if you want, right? Where you process it, where you improve the uh, artificial intelligence model and so on, right? Um, so it's a crucial piece, basically, in making all this happen, right? And one, one point to that, Kai, and I um, saw another question in, in the chat, where basically the question is um, vehicle sensitivity for real-time communication. Um, or is it okay if the data goes in and out um, with a delay? Um, so this really depends. Um, let me take the example of an autonomous vehicle, right? Where basically the vehicle as such takes a decision. Take connected tires, right? Um, so if a tire senses that a, that a road is slippery or icy, um, there has to be an immediate action taking place. That's where we also see a lot of the um, artificial intelligent workloads are basically transformed, uh, transferred from the cloud, basically to the ECUs in the vehicle. So there has to be a much larger compute power in the vehicle as such. And a lot of the models are then running, if you want, at the edge in the vehicle, where basically a real-time interaction between components, be it steering and tires, will happen. For use cases where you say, hey, your tire will be worn out in a thousand kilometers, right? So predicting life of the tire. This has not to be done on the vehicle. It can be done in the cloud. And here, um, a delay is absolutely acceptable. So it varies a lot. We see a lot of data going to the edge and there will be a much more compute power in the cars. I think there are some more um, questions uh, for you, Yasinden. Yep. Um, Christopher is asking, does it mean that the software sim runs on a GSMA certified modem? And I think a little bit before that, we had Olivier who asked the hardware requirement. Um, I think they're both um, uh, pretty intertwined questions. The soft sim, the software sim, you basically, um, it's a sim that is already implemented in the modem, right? So. Is there hardware specifications or restrictions? Yes. Uh, if you want to use what we would call like the modem soft sim, then yes, there's a list of uh, modems that are already um, that already have soft sim natively implemented, where 
if you buy that modem, let's say, I don't know, the Nordic NRF9160 or I think the BG95 from Quacktail, uh, you will already get the Softim Insight, basically. I'm vulgarizing uh, on purpose, obviously, but uh, the idea is that you buy, if you buy the right modem, then you just need to call us and we will activate the Softim for you. Um, in the case where you're not using one of the modems that we have uh, tested and, and validated uh, with a software SIM inside um, from a hardware company that is not a partner, Onomondo right now has four partners, Quacktail, Nordic, Cibuc uh, Simcom, and Fibocom. Let's say it's another company. Man, it's fine. We developed a way where we put the software SIM directly on the external microcontroller. So I won't go in too many details, but the idea is that there's two ways of doing it and they pretty much more or less the same, I would say, on an architecture level. At the end of the day, it's still on the microcontroller. Um, one gives you more ease and peace of mind because the modem provider already did it. And yes, they are GSMA certified. So the SIM is sitting on the GSMA certified modem. Um, yes, it works in every country also just like everything we do. Um, but in that case, you are fine. You just, you don't have to do anything. You give us a call. It's a couple of emails exchanges and then we send you the same supervision. And it's really truly over the air without any hassle. Like it's not just over the air, it's plug and play as well. And you don't plug anything, basically. The other option is uh, the microcontroller, the external one. And in that case, we would need, of course, uh, to run a task assessment and implementation phase uh, usually not more than four weeks. Um, it's a tiny bit extra work. Again, four weeks, um, that's the average we've seen with our customers. But on the other hand, then you can use any modem you want. It's fine because you will always have your software SIM on the external microcontroller. Do we have another question on that? So yeah, does it work in every country? Yes, it works in every country. Uh, again, as I said, except North Korea, that's one of the other countries we don't cover. Um, what are the commercial call-ins? I assume uh, the question is about Automondo. Uh, I mean, I will answer that way, uh, at least. For Automondo, uh, you, uh, you pay for three things. The first one is for data, and we don't even make money on it. We sell data wholesale. And that's why we have all these 650 networks in 180 countries in the world, etc. It's because we give them the money back to a single penny. Uh, so telco, they love data. They charge everything on data. We, that's why we're a tech company. We charge on features and innovation. So we give them the money back and they let us use their base stations to relay the information. That's kind of a deal we have with them. Um, so you pay for the data and it depends where the SIM is and you can control the cost yourself. Um, you pay for the platform. So just like any CMP, uh, you just pay every month for the platform that you're using to manage the SIMs and the customer service. If you need a lot of features, if you need connectors to the cloud to reduce data consumption, et cetera, et cetera, it's more expensive. If you, if you don't need anything and no assistance whatsoever, then it's the minimum cost, but it's a fixed cost and it depends only on the use case, not on the volume. And then the third one, and that's where we make our money. That's our bread and butter, basically. It's what we call the tech fee, where we charge you for every SIM that is transmitting data in a single month. What does that mean? 
you now pay for activation fees, deactivation fees. You hope that when you ship SIMs to your customers that they are not activated. Otherwise, you're going to be charged these fees on, I don't know, 35 cents times a million devices. Um, we don't do that. We don't need to do that because we don't need to rent our core network from Ericsson or any other dependencies like I showed at the beginning. So we decide to never charge for activations or deactivations. You get charged for transmitting data of SIMs. You get charged for SIMs that bring value to your value chain. So if you want to buy a million SIMs, but none of them have sent a single kilobyte for 12 months, then for 12 months, we're not charging you anything on that. Uh, and the price depends of the commitment that you're willing to go with us. And of course, the higher the commitment, just like any bulk model, the lower the tech fee. But that's pretty much it. You pay for a platform, you pay for the SIMs that brings you value, and you pay for the data that we give money back. How are we on time? Okay, I think we're gonna keep the rest of the questions now. Uh, we're gonna address them via emails, and uh, we're gonna get back to each and every one of you guys. Um, thanks a lot for attending. I thanks a lot uh, for being here, Toby and Kai. And uh, yeah, we will get back to all the questions. Bye-bye to all. All right, thank you guys. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Made for IoT. Never miss another episode by following us wherever you get your podcasts. For full transcripts and slides, visit the link in the show notes or onamondo.com. <laughs>